0: Of heights, to the depths of the sea.
1: Indeed, verse 24, As your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let, the king, let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord. I- isn't that the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's all David is asking in an Old Testament narrative. As your life was much valued this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued in the Lord's. In other words, Saul, just leave me alone
0: glaming in uncontainable you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name you are amazing god
1: oh powerful untamable all struck with fault
0: to our knees we welcome everyone You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester, with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. David trusted in God who blesses the righteous and the faithful. He also knew the truth of the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 10, before it was written, which says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name. David also understood the principle Jesus spoke of in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 2, which says, With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. David wanted the large measure of God's mercy for himself, so in turn, gave Saul the same measure of mercy. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 26 in the book of 1 Samuel.
1: Were they tears of repentance? Was this worldly sorrow or godly sorrow? Worldly sorrow. Because worldly sorrow doesn't change the heart. Godly sorrow is repentance. Because when there's godly sorrow, it's about it's very personal between you and God. There's something that happens. But a worldly sorrow is just, I got caught. And I'm going to continue to do it. That's the attitude. I got caught, and I'm sorry that I got caught. I'm not sorry that I did what I did. Have you met people like that? I've met people like that. They're not really repentant. They're just sad that they got busted. I'm sorry I got busted. But given the opportunity, I'm doing it again. You know, that's the the attitude. And so Saul puts on this thing. Oh, David, I'm so sorry. I played the fool. Forgive me. God help me. And, you know, and the tears are coming down. And, you know, the violin is playing. And, you know, the people in the robes are all coming around and laying hands on him. You poor guy. Receive the Lord. Come to Jesus. (laughs) And... And yet, there's no, we've seen this before, we've seen this before, we've seen this before. So Saul said, I've sinned, return my son David, for I will harm you no more, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool, and I've erred exceedingly. Now, I believe this is probably one of the times where, day, where Saul had his lucid moment, where the spirit of, of the devil or a demon wasn't controlling him. Because he has these moments where, these lucid moments, where I believe the real Saul is coming out. The real Saul is being repentant. And he really, I really think he had part of him that was like that, but he was a double-minded man. That means double-spirited. That means halt between two positions. What are you going to do? I don't know. Depends on how the wind blows. Depends on if I wake up tomorrow morning, what I'm going to do. I don't know. That's the kind of way Saul was. He would just kind of roll the dice, you know, see what happens. And David answered and said, Here is the king's spear. Let one of the young men come over and get it. And may the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, Saul, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And wow, what an, an excellent reminder again to Saul in this lucid moment of his... To remind him, this is not just your kingdom, Saul. You are the Lord's anointed. That means there's accountability. It's not just about you on the throne accomplishing your will, what you want to do. You are there on God's purpose. You are there by God's design. And you should have been a good king. You could have been a good king. You might have been a good king. But you chose darkness. You chose your own way. And it was always about obedience. It was always about obedience. Have you ever noticed that? With the Lord, it's always about obedience. Just be obedient to the Lord. You know, when he shows you something, when he puts something on your heart, don't just dismiss it. That still small voice in your heart when he tells you to do something, why not just step out in faith especially if it's something that is challenging you a little bit, that's going to um, impugn your pride a little bit, why don't you step out and see what the Lord might do? When you're in Wegmans and the Lord puts on your heart, you know why don't you just go over to that lady and just tell her that Jesus loves her? Boy, are you kidding me? Forget that. Are you kidding me? She looks like a self-made woman. She's going to take out her, you know, her long little thing in her hair and she's going to stab me with it. I'm not going to do that. Really? I, I've told this story a couple of times so far, but it, it really is just like this. My daughter, when she was little, and I'm glad she's in the other room because now she's not so little. But um, she was in the in the in the, she was young enough to be in the um, in the cart, and her legs were you know through the thing, you know how you put kids in there, and uh, and, and she and we so we're going through the the line, and there was a, an African American woman. And, and she was checking, you know, checking out the, and she was scanning our items. And, and I was completely out to lunch. I was putting stuff on the cart. I'm just, it's about business, right? So I'm just, I'm just getting this thing done. And my daughter looks over at her and she says, do you know that Jesus loves you? And she said it just kind and sweet like that in her little girl voice. And you should have seen that woman. She stopped what she was doing. She looked like she'd seen a deer in headlights. Or she was like the deer in headlights. And the tears started to come down. And she looked at my daughter, and that was something I'll never forget. Because out of the mouth of babes, it wasn't me, it was my daughter. Just telling her that Jesus loves her. And then, and then I finally realized what moment was happening here, and I wanted to jump on the coattails. And I told the lady, I said, he does, he loves you. And she goes, that's the best thing I've heard in a long time. She goes, I've, I've walked away from the Lord, and I grew up a Christian, but I've, I've walked away. And just to hear your daughter say that just melted me. And as she's scanning the things, the tears are just running, you know, and I'm just like, God, you are so good. So good, you know. Indeed, verse 24, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord. Isn't that the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's all David is asking in an Old Testament narrative. As your life was much valued this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued in the Lord's. In other words, Saul, just leave me alone. I'm not here to hurt you. I've proven that twice so far. I could have killed you twice. I chose not to touch the Lord's anointed. What great respect, what great honor, what great integrity. I love that. I want to be a guy like that. Indeed, is your, uh, and then he goes on, he says, and, and let him let the Lord deliver me out of all tribulation. And then Saul said to David, and here it is, May you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things and also still prevail. And I believe that maybe at this moment, Saul realized, at this time, finally, You know what? My time is done. I think there was a... a and he didn 't he Saul did not pursue David anymore after this moment, but david didn 't know that he didn 't know that so David went on his way, and Saul returned to his place and and and, and again it 's uh, Saul is kind of crying wolf you know uh, oh i 'm sorry i 'm sorry, but then he 's not really sorry, but this time he um, he he was uh, I believe there were things happening in the country at the time the Philistines were getting ready to attack Israel. And that would and all of that distraction kept Saul from doing anything. Had he given had he been given a, a time of respite from the battles of the Philistines, I, I imagine Saul would be there in his parlor one afternoon, twiddling his thumbs, going, I wonder what David's doing. But he didn't have time. He had to he had other battles that were more important to to handle. But Saul had proven himself not to be a man of integrity. David knew that he couldn't trust anything that was coming out of his mouth. And because Saul had been under intense demonic influence, causing him to vacillate between his old self and this demonic power over, of hatred and murder, you know, it was just making Saul a very uh, volatile, volatile man. Let's just read verse 1 of 27, and then we're going to stop there. Because it, it, because David didn't know that this would be the last time. David, after hearing Saul cry again and repentant in the crocodile tears, David's thinking, I mean, I've, I've heard this so many times. I'm just, I, I can't believe you, Saul. I mean, in his heart, he's saying this. He's listening to Saul, and David's going, oh, man, here we go again. Here we go again. And so verse 27 starts off, and David said in his heart, and this is it, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. <laughs> there is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines, and Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. And again, David is thinking, I've heard this all twice so far, at least twice, maybe three or four times, and now I know what's going to happen. So I'd better run. I'm going to run. And you notice there's no mention here, and we're going to end here, there's no mention here of of these two chapters of David really seeking the Lord. Again, probably the darkest time of his life, when he's learning dependence and and learning a lot of things. And notice that God wasn't so upset with him during this period of seven to ten years that he was on the run from Saul. He did a lot of boneheaded things. And again, before we get too harsh on Saul... It's easy for me to get harsh on Saul, but then I'm not in David's shoes. Or, I'm sorry, uh, uh, let's not get too harsh on David because um, we're not in his shoes. Had we been in his shoes, maybe most of us, perhaps all of us, maybe none of us, would have done what he did. And again, it's easy to read the event, to read the history. Notice I didn't say story because this really happened. This is not some allegory. But David thought for sure he was going to be hunted again. So what does he do? There's no mention of prayer. There's no mention of of submitting his heart to the Lord. There's none of that. And again, one of David's less finer moments in his life. And I wonder what would have been, because we know that after this he he flees to the king of Gath again, Achish. You remember Achish? David visited him a few chapters ago when he feigned to be mad and was spitting on his beard and scratching on the wall and doing all those things. He's going back to the very same man. But now he's going with 600 men. And in his right mind, an achish is going to go, Oh, look at this. I remember David fought some of my battles, and now he's back. And it's like David 2.0. And everybody hates him. All of Israel hates him. And he's thinking to himself, I can use this chap. I can use this guy, and David was more than willing to feign, and we'll see why this is so, he feigned to be fighting the Philistines' battles against Israel, but what he was really doing was fighting the enemies of God and deceiving Achish into thinking that he was fighting his battles for him. And that's what chapter 27 is about, but we'll probably look at 27 and 28 next week, but... um, you know, fear is a, is a liar. There's a song. <laughs> fear is a liar, isn't it? We do some crazy things when we're in fear. And it's just, our flesh is such an interesting thing, isn't it? We can claim to know the Lord. We can claim to be walking with him. And sometimes we can just be sidelined by fear. And it comes in many ways. It comes through the news channels. It comes through your own family, your own life. And we'll look at that next week. But I would encourage you, you know, as we look at David's life, you know, put yourself in this place. And, and, and I say this because don't get discouraged. Because every one of us fail. Every one of us have weaknesses. Every one of us fall. From time to time, and hopefully as you go closer to the Lord, you're falling less and less, but you understand what I'm talking about. We are not perfect people, and sometimes we, we get into these situations where we lack faith. We, we're not listening to the Lord, we're not praying, we're not worshiping Him. We're not even reading our Bible much anymore. And so we just kind of fade off the map. And then we find ourselves in all kinds of sore troubles. And is that God's fault? It's not His fault. He wants to reach you and I. He wants us to be side by side. And the closer we are to him, I I wonder what would have happened. And I'd have you read chapter 27 tonight, maybe before you go to bed while it's fresh in your memory, uh, this chapter that we just read. Read chapter 27 and ask yourself, what would have happened? How could have things been different had David just dropped to his knees and said, Lord, I am a fool. Why am I running to the enemy? What would have been different? How God... How might God have spared and secured David in Judah if he stayed in the wilderness of Ziph? If he stayed in the wilderness of Maon? If he went back to En Gedi? Maybe they broke up into three different bands and kind of interspersed in different places. What would have happened? We'll never know. But see, that's the thing I think is important to consider is what could have been. Have you looked back on your life and said what could have been? If I'd have done this, if I'd have done that better, if I didn't respond in the flesh here, how might my relationship have been spared with this other person? Do you realize that that's the things of God? Those are the things of obedience. Those are the the nuts and the bolts. That's where the rubber hits the road in our relationship with Christ is those things, those little things of obedience because they're small. They're small things, and God is so interested in the small things. Don't get me wrong, he's interested in the big things, but if you're faithful in the small things, oh, God is saying, I can give you much greater things, because I can entrust you, because you're not just turning a blind eye to the very small thing that you know, that little speck in your eye, that you know needs to be addressed, and you're addressing it, good for you. But if you don't address it, If you don't address it, it gets bigger, it gets worse, it gets bigger, it gets worse. And pretty soon you're thinking, I can handle this, I can handle this. Like these people who are on drugs. Oh, I can take care of it. I hear it all the time. There's a guy in my street, an older man. He's probably in his 60s. He had a son who was 21 years old, and his son was taking heroin. And I remember seeing this guy walk by my house every day, walking his dog. And I talked to him one day, and he told me, he was just, and I said, Hey, I want to introduce you to myself. And I told him I was, a, uh, you know, at the church and i love to pray for him. I was like, what can I pray for you? About? And he said, and he broke heart. He said, would you pray for my son? He's addicted to heroin. He keeps thinking he can, he can kick this thing every time, every weekend. He's saying, dad, I can kick this. I won't do it. And then he does it. And then he says, well, I can do, it. I can handle, it. I can handle it. And then one day I saw him walking by the house and I went out to him and I could just see his head was a little bit lower than before. And I said, uh, I said, I think his name was John. I said, John. I said, what's, what's going on? He said, a week ago, my son died, from heroin. He took a hot shot, and what broke my heart was, the day before that, the night before that, he talked to his son, and he got to say goodbye to his son, unbeknownst that that would be the last time he would see him. But they told each other that they loved each other. And then his son got a hold of something. And it was, as you know, there's nothing regulated on the street. It was uh, probably laced with baking soda and peroxide. You know, I mean, who knows what it was. And so he took a hot shot and killed him instantly. And I just thought, you know, he thought he he could handle it. And that's just the way sin is. You, you, You can't handle it. We cannot handle it. We're not supposed to handle it. David, like us, we're supposed to give it to him. Give it to him. Those little things... Don't let those little things become big things because they will by nature. If you do nothing, it will get bigger. If you do nothing, it'll get bigger. If you do nothing, it'll get bigger and bigger. And you won't have the ability to turn back again. It will consume you. And oftentimes it will kill you depending on what it is. It could be sexual sin. I can just dabble here a little bit here. Well, I can control. I can dabble a little bit here. I can control that. Next thing you know, you got an illicit affair, and then you're doing this and you're doing that, and you're looking at stuff on the internet. Next thing you know, it's consumed your life, and you have no family. Your wife leaves you. You're you you fail at your job. It just one little thing, just one little thing. It starts off like this, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So it behooves us, then, doesn't it? It's like you want to peer into this this narrative right here, and you want to whisper in David's ear, David, why don't you just have a worship service? <laughs> Get out your electric guitar and crank up the amps. David, worship the Lord. Get on your face and, and confess your what you're going through and talk to the Lord. And as we would whisper that into his ear, let's whisper it into our own ears. What are we doing? Am I a worshiper? Am I one of God's children? Am I willing to take it on the chin? Am I willing to look at my life and say, Lord, take control. I don't want this spirit like that was on Saul that was influencing him. Do you know how many people are being influenced by demonic spirits? Have you been influenced by a demonic spirit? I have. I don't think I've been possessed by one, but I've been influenced. And I know most of you probably have too. Don't you want to be free of that? There's a great blessing, isn't there, of just having a clear conscience and just going before the Lord and pouring it. Pour your heart out to God as often as you can. Get on your face. Go someplace where you you can cry. Go someplace where you can get on your face and lay down on your stomach and just cry like a baby and soak the carpet with your tears and pour out every complaint that you have. Do you know that God wants you to do that? Before you even go to a friend and you call them up on the phone, before you get on Facebook and, you know, you're doing your thing, before you do any of that, go to the Lord and get it all. Chances are you won't need anything else or anybody else. That's the way he wants you to be with him. Let's do that. Take advantage of the veil being rent, and now we can go into the Holy of Holies. You can run into your Father's arms. And say, Lord, my marriage is on the rocks. Lord, I'm struggling with this area of sin. Lord, I, I feel hate. I'm I just i I'm just consumed with hate. I can't stand anybody around me. I hate, I hate, I can't watch the news. I'm just filled with hate. So let's make a commitment tonight. And, and And you can just, you know, why don't we stand together? And let's just ask the Lord. I'm not asking you to take a vow or anything like that. I'm just asking, let's just purpose with our hearts, to really seek Jesus, to really seek the Lord. Father, we come before you tonight, and Lord, you know our hearts. Lord, there are some in this room who are going through very terrible troubles. Lord, there are some here whose marriages are struggling Lord, there are some in here who are struggling with areas of sin. Lord, there are some here who are distraught and discouraged. And Father, I pray that you would help every single one of us, Lord, to take advantage of the great price that you paid, that we could come into your presence and that we could pour out our heart to you and cry and and, and be joyful, Lord, to tell you the good things, the, the great news that we have, to pour out to you the horrible things that we could never tell anybody else. We can pour it out to you, God, and may you be that one that we can run to when everyone else is gone. And Lord, may you be the first one that we run to. And Lord, we pray that we would learn the lesson that David didn't learn here. He would learn it later, Father. But Lord, help us to learn that lesson, to go to you, and let you be our greatest confidant and to listen with ears and hearts wide open. So do that with us. Do that in us. Do that for us, God, we pray in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of First Samuel.